The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. So grateful you're joining us here today. You might be listening live on TransformationTalkRadio.com around the world on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area, Facebook Live on my professional page, or um, after the fact on one of the dozens of podcasts that sends up. But wherever and where, whenever you're joining us from, you're going to be grateful you are. Um, before I get into our truth teller today and, and, and what we're going to be looking at, I'd like to say hello and, and express my gratitude to Mr. Benny Mathers at, at KKNW. Hey, Benny. Hi, Christine. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, depending on how or where you're listening to it, to our uh, listeners out there. Yes. And hello, Olivia, TTR. Hey Thank there, you for doing Christine. what you do. Oh, and my, thanks, and my thanks to Kyle, who's behind the scenes. And my thanks to the, our guest today. You know, decades ago, I was going through an awakening associated with health, healing, um, our medical system. You know, I've worked in alternative healing for, for what, 15 years, whatever it's been, probably more than that. Time flies. And I've understood on a deep level that things aren't always as the mainstream narrative expresses. And the same thing's been true with what's been going on. And, and there's certain words we're not going to say because I don't want us to end up in YouTube jail and, and to penalize KK and W again. Um, but I've been questioning based on my, my, my research statistician background, my co-authoring articles in medical journals background, like something's not quite right. And as I've opened my eyes, I've recognized that there are some other narratives that I did buy into that are sounding kind of off as well. When you, when you really start going down rabbit holes, you find some things that don't make sense. My guest today is, has already been down one of those rabbit holes. He's got a lot to share with us. His name is Adam Eisenberg. He's a third generation veteran and he's, he's a former sergeant former sergeant and infantry squad leader in the U.S. Army. Um, he served with distinction in a variety of ways, and he was one of the first responders at the Pentagon on September 11th of, of 2001, on uh, you know the, the infamous 9-11. And he, he assisted in the cleanup efforts for 20 days after that. He raises awareness about veterans' issues and he's also coming out more and more about uh, his truth of what he saw, what he learned, what might not make sense in the narrative we've been presented. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Adam Eisenberg. Hi, Adam. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to share this space with you. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for any and all truth speakers, because I think that we are in this critical moment in history where um, 
if we don't speak truth, then we're going to stay stuck in a system that's not working or is broken in certain ways. It's been a long time since 9-11. What has compelled you to start coming out more publicly about your perspective about the 9-11 bombings, the plane crashes, whatever they are? Absolutely. Well, what I've been saying and what I'm going to say to you, everybody that's listening now, I've been saying for quite some time, and I'm sure there's going to come a point in time when I'm going to have to prove that. And I've got friends, business colleagues, uh, family members, uh, plenty of people. But, but ultimately, um, I was looking around at the world, especially at the beginning of what we all know is going on right now. And the fact that we can't even talk about that or we have to we have to tiptoe around that should be awfully telling but i said to myself when jab mandates become a real thing um, i'm going to start telling my story because i've known for several years that people weren't very receptive and so for me it was just about making sure that people were informed and they know that hey if people from the united states government are going to be pushing something on you you need to know about what their range and their capabilities are in other areas as well. And so I said to myself, I might look like the crazy guy, but I'm going to do it. And so back in December, I gave my testimony on YouTube. I threw it out on my social media and I just said, okay, universe, here we go. Mm -hmm. And I've found ever since then that it's very well recepted or received, excuse me, people are very uh -huh. receptive right now. And, and so I finally have people's attention because we can look around the world and see it burning. And so people are now thinking, wow, um, yeah, there are some other issues that have happened. And so I have people's ears. Yeah. And I know that that phrase conspiracy theory gets thrown out very freely and it's meant to discount narratives. Clearly, there are some things out there that people talk about that aren't true. But I think that if our knee-jerk reaction is, is to call it a conspiracy theory, then somehow we've been pre-programmed not to believe it. Before we get into the details about um, your, your perspective on all this, do you think that by coming forward, you're helping to wake up some people who otherwise ha would have blinders on? There's no question. Um, I keep very, very strong kind of um, strong eye on my, my social media analytics. I just want to know who's paying attention, who's listening. And so absolutely, there's no question. Um, just the fact that, you know, I've, I've been able to um, interact with places you know, like this, with people like Jason Shurka, um, a lot of other people, I've gotten the chance to speak to them. And so, yes, people are absolutely aware. And now it's just a matter of also connecting other dots that have kind of led us to this point. But ultimately, these problems that we face, they've been going on for a long time. But I think that the, the real issue at hand, what we're looking at right now for the United States started on September 11th. Interesting. I, I know that some people think that it started with the assassination of JFK, in a sense. But that's yeah. a different generation. That's, that's old history. And, um, you know, it's, it, you know, maybe it's worth debating, maybe it's not, but 9-11 was a, a, a key moment in our current history about what's going on, about, you know, our stance in other, with other countries, about um, some financial things as well. So 
Okay, so you were there at the Pentagon or at the cleanup crew of the Pentagon. Tell us a little bit about your experience as a first responder. Absolutely. Um, so I was a member of Alpha Company 3rd U.S. Infantry. Um, and everything that I'm about to say can be proven with military documentation. Um, if you'd like to see that, you can actually go to my Instagram page. It's at Awakened Adam, just one word straight across. But So we were originally over at Conmee Hall as a company. We were preparing for our day. Um, we were what, what, what was Tyler. that? What, what is sorry? that hall? What is Conmee that hall? hall? Conmee Hall in Fort Myer, Virginia. It's right across okay. the highway from the Pentagon. Okay. So we, every, every year, Alpha Company took part in a, a military pageant that we traveled. It was kind of a public outreach kind of effort. Mm -hmm. So we were preparing for that. Well, all of a sudden, we were on the backside of Fort Myer. Lots of fire engines, lots of police cars started flying by. We knew something was going on. Yeah. And so the first sergeant got a call. We called formation. And all he said was, gentlemen, the United States is under attack. And so we first had the challenge of getting from DC, or excuse me, from Virginia into DC, which posed to be very difficult. Uh, but then we didn't really know what was going on. You know, we, we, we had to um, basically secure the perimeter around the base. So several of us did that just because we weren't sure what was going to happen that day. Um, and that's when I first started to experience something fishy. So I was a high-speed private at that point in time. I felt like I had a lot to prove. So they said, we need 12 volunteers. You know, you guys are going to go check out some weapons from the arms room, go out and link up with the MPs. So I was all over it. I go down to the arms room to check out my weapon, and the weapon specialists hand me a magazine with no in a, no rounds in it. And I said, "Excuse me, specialist. Hello, I don't have any uh, ammunition." Oh my gosh! And his words to this day, I, I still remember them. Were, "You have not been authorized to use live ammunition." Now, mind you, I was stationed at Fort McNair in Southeast D.C. I could walk out of our base and look across the river and see smoke from the Pentagon. So that really concerned me. Okay, okay um, let me pause there for a minute, um, Adam. Was the same thing true with, with other the other the 11 other volunteers? Were they getting empty magazines as well? I actually, it's funny you asked that. I just confirmed that. I talked to one of them just this week and, and okay. same thing, he said the same exact thing. Okay. Yeah, but so I wasn't one of the people that originally was, was running into the hole, so I was a, per a person, I was a part of a, a, a multi-company effort with the old guard to basically go on site and you know, serve in an as-needed need basis. And mm -hmm. so that is removing this equipment, finding this, you know, this bodily remain, uh, finding this, finding that, whatever, come here, come there, just do whatever we need, and then you know, step off. And we did that um, from September 11th until uh, September 30th, I believe, October, like right in that neighborhood. My, my military documentation has it. But Sounds like a, a traumatic and, and stressful job. It was it was uh, it was not uh, easy by any means. Uh, the The military took great care of us while we were on site. When we weren't inside the building, there were mm -hmm. so many restaurants there that had set up tents, and they had all this food. There was a lot of things, but yeah, it, it wasn't easy. It was very difficult. It was very mm -hmm. emotionally draining. Yeah. But, okay. but yeah, so we serve so, in that capacity from uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, my military documentation will show that. And I say that because there's a situation brewing right now that I'm going to be uncovering soon. The, the head of the Pentagon cleanup is um, speaking very aggressively and very loudly 
about me not being there. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So stay tuned there. Sorry. I, I had to get that off my chest, but. Well, and, and one of the things that I've learned is that, um, when things get censored, when things disappear, when um, people are immediately discredited, then, mm-hmm. I mean, it does, it's not always true, but, but it makes me curious as to why. Like if somebody's just saying some crazy stuff, then let them, right? You know, what, yeah, okay. So you've been was- discredited as not being there. Oh, not only did this man try to discredit me, he called me a conspiracy theorist. And I'm I'm right now working on recording all this stuff because he invited me to come on his YouTube show, which he has 20,000 followers. He has a paid audience. Some of these people are paying $50 a month. Challenged me to do a bait. And mind you, um, in the very near future, I'm going to basically be able to prove that I'm a disabled veteran. But, you know, this guy was in charge of the cleanup. The types of ways that he was talking to me um, as a disabled mm-hmm. veteran, I think, are disgraceful. And then there's even a point where he threatens me. And um, I might be filing a, pre- a police report against this guy, to be honest with you. Um, it's, wow. it's getting, it's kind of serious. So, and I also want to so, say that I'm pretty sure that this man has uh, a family member that is still tied to national government. Mm-hmm. Now, do you happen to know the origins of the phrase conspiracy theory? The CIA. <laughs> and what, when, do you, do you recall when they started using it? Oh, geez. I have no idea. But if I had to guess, I would say sometime back in the 9-11 days or something like that. I don't know what. Uh... Yeah. I think I think it was actually be- before that. And it was um, it was a way of manipulating people's psychology so that um, they would automatically discount it. And I remember that it, I don't I wish I could remember the details, but I know that it was something that has been since shown to be true they called a conspiracy theory but that's where that phrase originated which you know may want to set up a red flag i'm not saying that everybody at the cia is you know i mean i'm sure there are plenty of good people at the cia but there's sometimes certain things that have been done in throughout our history that have been illuminated to be um really out of integrity and I would say, uh, if you, if to back that up, if anybody is questioning what you just said, I, I highly encourage all you researchers out there to go check out an unclassified, declassified document uh, about Operation Northwoods. Um, what, what is that? So that was a government document that made its way up through the military chain of command. It made its way up through the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and it was designed to um, by means of killing Americans to get us into military conflict with Cuba. Um, and oh, if, right. if, if you really look into that document, you're also going to see that it's uh, eerily similar to September 11th. They talk about using some planes um, to get us into war. And that thing made its way up, and it was stopped by a man named John F. Kennedy. Hmm. And we know what happened to him. Okay, so there you are doing cleanup. And at that point, you know, they, they said that a plane had, had gone into the Pentagon and that's what caused the explosion and the damage. Did you find remnants of planes, uh, a plane? I never once while I was there saw anything that looked like a plane part. Now, here's where I have a perspective that is unique. Um, and if anybody that was on site this, that day can say this, please come forward. 
um, several years down the road, um, in 2018, I was working for UPS and I was offered a special assignment up in, in Londonderry, New Hampshire, with a company called Pratt & Whitney. Well, uh -huh. you know, the Boeing 757s, uh, their engines were created by two companies, Rolls-Royce, Pratt & Whitney. Okay. So every single day, we talked about, you know, when you talk about the ways that things synchronistically happen, well, every single day at this facility, I had to walk in and walk past this absolutely humongous jet engine. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like a reminder. It was just, you know, you, you need to look at this again because you, the remains that were there were so small and, and pictures don't even do it justice. And I've certainly got a ton of incriminating pictures, mm -hmm. but I never once saw a, 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 a piece of a plane part, anything. Um, and I think my pictures are, are pretty obvious. Um, furthermore, we never found, at least I never found any remains that looked like it was anybody on a plane. And so um, I did see people there, um, people that had passed away, everybody that I had found or was part of basically um, removing from that environment um, had passed away on site. And as I mentioned in my testimony, the, the most eerie thing is that I started to find people in rooms that were deceased where there was, it was clear that there was no um, contact with a, with a plane. There was a boardroom specifically that brings that to mind. The boardroom was still intact. Everybody was still in their chairs and they basically died in place. I don't know how the physics of that work, but wow. that was, okay. that was another thing that kind of woke me up, but no, I'm going to say right now, and there's a team out there that has done some fantastic work. They're called the citizens investigation team. Um, they pointed out that, uh, and, and I haven't been able to, figure this or, or prove this, but they even said that none of the parts that came out of that building that day were positively identified to being attached to that plane. So that's still ongoing research that I'm mm -hmm. doing, but those guys have done some fantastic work. Um, and I, I encourage everybody to check out their work. They've got some videos that are pretty illuminating. So, so I, I'm thinking in terms of the, the poor people who passed in that boardroom body is still intact you think about if it's not force then it had and, and it would have been fire you know it might have been smoke but it would be if there were smoke you would think that they would they wouldn't be sitting in the chairs so you're thinking uh, what comes to mind for me is chemical or um biologic you know mm -hmm. and i suppose it's it's possible that there was something on a plane that hit it that had that stuff in it but it is rather surprising well, I will tell you what's interesting, the more research that I do, I have to, to almost bring up Dr. Judy Wood. Now, anybody that studies 9-11 truth is familiar with Dr. Judy Wood. She okay. does an incredible analysis of what happened up in the Trade Center, and she uses absolutely everything you can think of. Um, she even goes into heat sensory, to seismic sensory, um, this woman is brilliant when it comes to engineering, and so she's written books. I highly and highly encourage anybody to check out her work on YouTube, go to Gaia and see some of her presentations. But she talks about, and she wrote a book called Where Did the Towers Go? Evidence of Directed Free Energy Technology on 9-11. Well, here's the interesting thing. Oh, interesting. The person that was in charge of the Pentagon cleanup 
this gentleman is an expert in weapon systems. And he specifically is very, very bright when it comes to um, technology. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be the first to say it. There is going to come a point in time, um, you know, I'm not going to make any claims. I'm not going to point the finger, but I do think it's very um, interesting with the pictures and the evidence that I have and looking at Dr. Judy Wood's information mm -hmm. and how she just shows a, a, a really tall piece of the Trade Center evaporating. You know, the, the part of the building fell and this other part just evaporates into thin air. She mm -hmm. shows this. And I just also want to say that the person that was in charge of the cleanup at the Pentagon, uh, I have him on record saying that uh, the third building up in New York fell due to mm -hmm. debris. Dr. Judy Wood, I think, would have something to say about that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So I, I know that there are a lot of things about the, the, building, the buildings in New York and particularly Building 7. Um, what about people on the, on the ground seeing planes hitting the building? At the Pentagon? No, I, I'm talking about um, people on the ground. Were there people on the ground who saw plane go into the Pentagon? Well, interestingly enough, there, there were witnesses and David Ray Griffin in his books, which by the way, I have to show you guys this. We don't like to do a lot of reading anymore, but David Ray Griffin has written several books. And the reason I love to, and I do this every single time I talk, I have to do this, is that if you doubt the research, you have to see notes and bibliography. So this man has done extensive, these are his notes, extensive research. Wow. So what is the front of his cover? What does the book cover look like? Adam, um, this one is actually my favorite one. It's um, actually, no, I thought there was one. Yeah, the serving questions about the Bush administration in 9-11. It's called the New Pearl Harbor. So, okay. but, but David has written over 10 books. He's edited over 15. Um, and, and so what he points out is just the, the, the main key witnesses, a lot of the main key witnesses on the ground were high-ranking military officials and members of the press. Well, interestingly enough, the Citizens Investigation Team did a lot of on-site um, post 9-11 interviews, you can see all this stuff on their website where they basically present some other witnesses that were there that saw a different kind of plane going much slower from a different angle. They didn't see it hit the building. Um, okay. but, but what makes it really interesting is they also uncovered um, one witness. It was the, the taxi cab driver that uh, apparently a, a light post, one of the mysterious light posts fell and hit his car. Well, they started conducting information, uh, more interviews with him, and they started catching him up in some shady stuff and some lies. Mm -hmm. Well, coincidentally, his wife is also working for the FBI. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and they've got this all on video. Uh, so I'm in the process of, of kind of collecting all the information. Um, you can go to my Instagram and see some stuff, but mm -hmm. I'm going to be loading this stuff up soon, and it's just been a process, but... Yeah, the, the witnesses there, a lot of a lot of shadiness. Okay, so the plane that was um, seen, according to witnesses, it was flying in a different area than what was hit. It sounds like. Uh, what kind of plane was it? Was oh, it a, a commercial plane or? Yeah, they said it wasn't. A, it was it was a bigger plane. They they said it it, it didn't. 
and they, it was a it was a bigger plane. It looked like it, it was a commercial plane. They said, but it, uh -huh. it 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 basically there was a guy named Robert Balsamo. He was the uh, I think he was the head of pilots for 9/11 Truth. He wrote a 15-page document that breaks it all down. And this is a peer-reviewed document. Again, you can have all this, but uh -huh. he talks about the official approach, which would be a southern approach. And they, they call it the Southern Approach because the Sitco gas station, basically, it went south of the Sitco gas station. Well, Robert okay. Balsamo has kind of disapproving that. And that's also the, the black box that gave the flight path. Um, so that's that. But this other group, the Citizen Investigation Team, and all these interviews talk about a Northern Approach um, that didn't match huh. up with the miles per hour. And, and so, again, this is a peer-reviewed document. He breaks it down mm -hmm. and just talks about how the physics that took place um, don't make any sense, and, and the light posts that got hit and the damage that was done doesn't make any sense. And then furthermore, where I really just hammer on everything, and Dr. Judy Wood says you have to look at the evidence, is the the way that the Pentagon was hit, that approach doesn't make any sense. Mm. So Interesting. And so if it, were, if it were just, you know, one or, or two people observing and, and witnessing it, and I mean, we know that witness reports can be off. There's, there have been studies that have indicated that. Sure. And yet if there are, are enough people and there are enough inconsistencies, you have to ask yourself why. Mm. We're, we're gonna talk more with Adam here in just a few moments. And when we return, I'm gonna explain how 9-11 started my path to become a healer. Stay tuned for more here on the Christine Upchurch Show. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. Years ago when facing cancer, without any immediate treatment options, I sought healing by making various life changes. For a while, I followed a very restrictive diet. I often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad. Then one day I realized I was consuming foods based on fear, fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. When you lose a child, you find yourself part of a club that you never chose to join. There is a way to find meaning and joy in your life again. Jen Ripa has created a six-week sacred grief system, helping you let go of grief, heal with compassion, and understand what's available to you in the rest of your life. It can feel scary acknowledging that a part of you wants to move forward because you're not sure how to do it in a way that honors your child. The good news is that when you allow yourself to address your grief in a multi-sensory way, you can transition from sadness, regret, and hopelessness into a life that gives you peace, joy, and meaning. Jennifer understands with deep compassion how you're feeling because she's been there. For more information about the Sacred Grief Course, visit Thriveology.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, 
but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in Seattle and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. I'm talking today to Adam Eisenberg, and he was one of the first responders in the military uh, to 9-11 attack on the Pentagon. Now, Adam, I'm going to share with our our viewers and listeners and you that um, if it weren't for 9-11, I don't know that I would have had the the career path I had. You know, I, I, I had gotten... I had gotten guidance early on that I was to be a healer, but, um, you know, I tried a couple types of healing and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not, not really drawn to it. And I also happen to pretty in, be pretty intuitive. I mean, sometimes I'll have a dream about, you know, with a map of the country about exactly where the drought's going to be or whatever. I was totally blindsided by 9-11 because I thought, you know, why didn't my guides at least, at least give me some sort of intuitive nudge that something bad was going to happen? So I went to this place of fear and I started listening to... Um, Coast to Coast AM, it was being rebroadcast in the afternoons. So they would talk about, you know, having gas masks in the, the trunk of your car and stuff like that. But they also happened to have this healer on who had written this book. And all of, like what I, I listened to his interview and it's like, oh, I've got to go learn that work. And that to me led me to feeling very much at home with that work and eventually becoming an instructor of that work. So it, it redirected my, my path. Um, because I was so blindsided and so devastated. And I remember feeling really emotional about all of it, as I think many people in the world did. And I think about how we had this opportunity to kind of take the compassion from the rest of the world and create greater unity. And that's clearly not what happened. Um, What's your perspective on how things unfolded, say, in terms of, of how things went down with the various buildings, what happened on, financially with war and that sort of thing? And yeah. um, do, do you see it as fitting into a narrative or fitting into, fitting into a plot? 100%. So not even, I think, nine days, nine, 10 days. And this is a, a testimony you can find. General Wesley Clark, when he was walking through the Pentagon, he was visiting. Um, stepped into somebody's office. And again, I don't want to dive too much into what he says because he's got several videos out there, but he said um, that there were several military campaigns land, uh, uh, lined up, you know, mm-hmm. Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, all these places, uh, nine days after September 11th. And, and his words were policy coup, that the Bush administration had basically undergone a policy coup. And so another book that I would highly recommend anybody reading the Three Trillion Dollar War by Joseph Stiglitz and Linda Bilmes. Um, you know, it's all right there in front of everybody that talks about the illegal ways we went, how the contractors 
that received the contracts. Most of them were Bush, you know, people that had donated to the Bush administration. But yeah, and then you 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 mentioned it, the financial catastrophes that, of course, nobody is getting held accountable for. Um, and 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 yeah, just I think it's a Japanese emperor once said, and I forget his name. It was an emperor and admiral, but he said, if you wanted to bring down the United States and you physically attack them, there would be a, a gun fixed behind you behind every blade of grass. Well, I think that the United States, with our laws and our kind of mindset around guns and personal defense, we have to be approached differently than the world. And right. I, I think you can also kind of look around at what's happening right now, specifically at Israel, at Canada, at the UK and Australia, mm-hmm. and kind of see the direction we're heading in. But ultimately, I like I said, I do think there's a lot of little things that added up. We're still fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. The, mm-hmm. the uh, legislation for the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act's still in place. Mm-hmm. They can still monitor us at their will. Right. Edward Snowden talks quite a bit about that. So Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really shocking. And at the time, I think there were plenty of, of policymakers who thought, you know, it's for her own safety because of the narrative being presented. Um, didn't Donald Rumsfeld make a, a statement the, the day before 9-11 um, about something being missing in the Pentagon, being some funds, some gold? Or, I don't know. There's some sort of documentation in the Pentagon. Do you know I'll be honest. I've heard some things like that. I, I'll, I'll be honest, since I've started to really steer the battleship into like being able to focus on this completely. Um, yeah. I, I've heard something like that, but I haven't confirmed yeah. it. But I, I yeah. do think that there's some truth to that. Yeah, I've seen a video of him making a statement about it, but I don't recall the details. And, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's connected or not. But when there are enough coincidences, when there are enough things that don't fit, it makes you question the narrative. And I think that although... It would be great to figure things out and find out who's responsible and so forth. Um, I think what's more important than any of that is to learn that what we hear may not be true. What the media presents to us, what government officials present to us may not be true. And it's not, you know, that's not the case all the time, obviously. But it's really important that we question things. Mm-hmm. Use discernment, use our intuition. These are gifts. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, right now we're, we're so distracted and that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and so we trust these individuals to, to make the right decisions. And I mean, just look at the, 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 the debt that we have right now. I think all the trillions, I think is yeah. indicative of the kinds of decisions that are being made right now by these people. Right. So. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of interesting for me. As, I mean, I've always been a bit of a truth seeker, even when I was a statistician, you know, it's like, I'm looking for truth and data. And over the past year, 15 months, whatever it is, um, I've found myself, at first I thought I'm getting distracted by doing deep dives into things because I'm not finishing my book or I'm not, you know, there are aspects of my business I was neglecting. And then I realized there is nothing more important than the truth. And we as individuals, it may, maybe it, you know, like you're, you're getting coming out publicly about things. And so you can shift people's perspective. But even if somebody is just listening or watching to this right now, watching this right now, it's, it's like there's some, there's some ways in which just knowing the truth and being aware of truth that can help shift things. And apparently my cat thinks so too, because here she is. <laughs> I'll tell you all the time, I, I have to lock the door now and I have to lock the upstairs door because I, I have a little zoo in my house and they'll start knocking on the doors and jump up in my lap too, yeah. 
Well, it, it depends on what I'm doing, but um, yes, she's visited the show before, and I've got another cat who gets really, really loud at my door if it's closed. So I, <laughs> it's it's always a crapshoot one way or another. That's <laughs> wonderful. Um, so, what is it you hope to do with all of this? You know. My mission statement has constantly changed since I started this. And like you said, you, you start to dig into one thing um, and you start to see other things and other things and other things. Uh -huh. And so for, at first it was just a, hey, you need to have information. I want, you, I want all my fellow Americans to be informed. That's it. Uh -huh. right. um, but, but now it's, it's turned into much, much more. Uh, you know, my family alone on my mom's side we had eight people serve at Pearl Harbor, or not Pearl Harbor, excuse me, in World War II. One passed wow. away in Pearl Harbor. Oh my God. Side, you know, my dad's side, um, third generation, you know, the fourth generation serving now in a, in a special operations capacity. Um, mm -hmm. My father narrowly escaped with his life in Vietnam. My grandfather mm -hmm. narrowly escaped with his life mm -hmm. in Pearl Harbor. And so that, in addition to the over a thousand people that I buried in Arlington, I've got two brothers there mm -hmm. um, and the ongoing wars. That wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. You've got two brothers? Well, I, I call been... them brothers. They're guys oh. that I served with. Okay, okay. Um, that, that are buried in Arlington. I just, all wars seem to be fought on false flag pretenses. And mm. uh, a lot of people have come out and talked about these things. Uh, you know, yeah. There's a lot of history to show this. Um, even Jesse Ventura screams about the Gulf of Tonkin all the time. Um, yeah. Historians, many of them had said that there's not enough research into Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. my goal. And, and Jesse Ventura, um, I remember watching a video, uh, probably five or six years old, and when somebody was asking him, would you become president of the United States? Would you run for president? And he's like, no, because the president is controlled, which I thought was a fascinating thing for a former governor to say. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it, it goes right into it. I mean, I, with my businesses, I have a real estate company and I have a couple different endeavors, but I always try to give it back to the veteran community, but kind of going back to what I was saying, it's, I'm now shifting to a place where I want to raise awareness and I just want to show people, um, war is unnecessary. It's barbaric. There's no need for it. It's done under false pretenses. And my entire 39 years of living was a case study in post-traumatic stress disorder. I can't even speak to my biological father anymore. So he, he brought right. a lot home from Vietnam. And, and that man suffers mm -hmm. in ways I could never imagine. And, and he served mm -hmm. his country uh, honorably and faithfully, 25th mm -hmm. Infantry Division. And, and so for me now, it's just saying, hey, everybody, you know, obviously we know what's going on right now, you mm -hmm. know, the games that's being played, but let's also talk about war, you know, why do we continue to engage in war? And so I want to end warfare. You know, why not? Let's end warfare. There's no need for it. Um, and there, think, there, you, I'm sorry. I, I think that if you, <laughs> my cat, I think that if you um, look at the big puzzle, that there are ways in which some of the pieces that you're talking about with your experience on 9-11, as well as war, that they're really, they they can be viewed as a part of the same puzzle. Yeah. And the puzzle's big. You know, we talk about invisible enemies. Um, you know, we were kind of talking before we came on the show about invisible enemies, but, uh -huh. um, you know, how many things, how many puzzles, you know, how many pieces are out there that we're not even aware of still? And mm -hmm. what are we aware of? And 
So yeah, that's that's what we're all trying to figure out right now. Mm -hmm. At least I think that's the case. So with your experience as a veteran, you said that, um, did you call yourself a disabled veteran? Well, uh, so interestingly enough, um, I have now, uh, this morning I had my, my final um, hearing with the VA. It's uh -huh. been October, well, I've got a timeline right here actually, October will be 10 years. Um, yeah, so I've been trying to um, get established. I provided them with every shred of documentation, information, everything. And the interesting thing, um, I have done two records requests, and this is all I get both times when my records folder is a little thicker than that. Uh -huh. So another thing, another invisible enemy, people in my unit are starting to find that their records are nowhere to be found. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that Don't... coupled with the fact that there was actually an anthrax attack on my base. You know, they, that anthrax was, people were attempting to send anthrax into my barracks. Um, uh, why? We were just, you know, th this was not very long after, but it makes no sense. We were just a unit designed to perform ceremonial details to protect the president, the capital region. Why are, why is there anthrax attacks happening on our barracks? Right. Nobody talks about that, though. I don't, I don't think anybody outside of the, our company even knows that there was a legitimate anthrax attack at Fort McNair in Washington, D.C. Wow. Yeah, I remember uh, anthrax being sent to various people and individuals. I remember hearing about that on the news, but I don't recall hearing anything about being sent to, you know, military barracks. Oh, absolutely. I still have mail that they were sending all of our mail through an x-ray machine, and it was like melting everything together. Uh -huh. And so I always thought that was interesting. But, oh, yeah. Facts. So tell me about your hearing today. So, oh, yeah. So sorry. So the hearing was today. And of course, I presented all the information. And in 2020, um, I found out that, you know, you can present cases, you can present all this stuff, but you really need to get into the system. You need to let them poke, prod, take all this stuff. So 2020, I spent about seven months um, going through the system. I, I went through every medical procedure. I went through every, uh, mostly psychological work. Um, I have no shame in admitting, um, you know, I, I definitely encountered PTSD as a result of, or came into PTSD as a result of that experience. And that was, hard for me. that was hard for me to accept. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was hard for me to accept for a long time because um, a lot of times in the military that comes through battlefield experience, Mm -hmm. But it was my father that finally woke me up and said, hey, dude, you know, you really need to look into this. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so they've had records. I've, I've worked with them the whole nine yards. And their final position today as well, you need to get buddy statements. Now, I've shown them a DD-214. I've sent them everything. Um, they had all the documentation. I received seven awards while I was in this unit. I completely expended my GI Bill. I have pictures. I have all this stuff. So now I need to get buddy statements. Okay. Um, they want to see my counseling documentation from a civilian um, counselor, even though I just spent six or seven months every single week meeting with a, a professional. And now they also want me to get another um, evaluation by another doctor. So these, I, I'm just going to say it like I, I really might run for office one day with the mm -hmm. promise of decimating this organization and rebuilding it. The Veterans Administration is broken. 
And there yeah. are people on the ground that are doing wonderful work. I'm not discrediting them. But right. at the higher echelons, it's a disgrace. It's interesting because um, I happen to know Daniel Brinkley, um, and he's been on the show before. He's somebody who has experienced three near-death experiences. His, he had a near-death experience in the early 1970s. He was talking on a corded phone, and he was struck by lightning, and he was clinically dead for like 25 minutes or something. It was the longest near-death wow. experience. Fascinating thing. And in fact, he he was shown all all these different images of what was going to happen in the future, including some of what's going on right now. But his, his whole passion is to help the VA, help people in the VA. He, he goes and he, he um, counsels those people and, and sits at the bedside of those people who are passing away, you know, as they're dying. Um, but he's had a lot to say. So I've heard it from multiple people that there are serious issues in the VA. And oh, it's awful. It, and it seems to me that when we ask young men and, and women, and sometimes there'll be some older people, you know, higher up, to serve our country, then we should be supporting them, you know, not only during that process, but afterwards as well. One thousand percent. And I'll tell you another promise I would I would run on, and I don't I don't know the cost of all this, but if you agree to serve your country, one thing I, I want everybody to understand, no matter what you do, no matter which branch you go into, it will change you. When you become a, a piece of that cog in the wheel, it's going to change you. But I personally think that if you served your country, you gave the country a blank check that, you know, said, hey, cash this thing, even if it yeah. cost me my life, right. I think you should get free health care for the rest of your life. That's just me. Yeah. Um, and that would also probably incentivize some some good people to serve the, the country, you know, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a litany of stuff. So uh, I'm going to ask you a, a, a personal question, but you don't, you don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable, but do you feel that experiencing your own cognitive dissonance about what you saw and the narrative has um, attributed to, to aspects of your stress associated with this? Um, now you mean, cog- what, 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 well, what, I mean, like, the things that you've seen, you say, don't add up. Does that cause you additional stress? Because oh, um... oh my God! So yeah, for for years, I, I second yeah. guess myself, and that's another invisible enemy, the enemy that's up here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it forced me to to get second guess myself, and even then, um, just knowing that the kind of claims I was going to make, um, that you know, the, the dissonance out there, that that just people will not. Um, you know, accept it, you know, so I, I was, mm-hmm. I was trying to kind of make sure that I was, I was absolutely seeing every single thing for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, 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 even with my experience on site, even with my experience as a, as a person that had FAA accreditations through the Lufthansa organizations to um, inspect incoming and outgoing cargo at Pratt & Whitney. I was one of three people in this building, 750,000 square foot building, $2.3 billion in aeronautical parts, I believe. But wow. having that experience and then being able to have hands-on inspector experience every single time a, a, a part goes out to be basically put into a jet engine, it has to be looked at. I had the authority mm-hmm. to do that. Uh-huh. Um, so even then, I was like, am I right about this? And then I had to start digging into the books. And when I really started to look at all the pictures, look at all the independent research, that's where the, the truth really lies. Um, the media was really hushed 
And there's so many different media anomalies that every single truth movement points out. But uh-huh. yeah, it's 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 tough. But the, getting over this was a little a little bit of a hurdle because right. you know I knew what kind of criticism I could potentially be facing. You know, I I know that people are generally aware of gaslighting that can happen within the context of relationships. You know, where you're like in a relationship with a narcissist and, and they do something and, and they're like, well, all I did, you know, you, do, you don't deserve to feel that way. You know, all I did was, you know, or no, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't say that when in fact they have. But I think about how we may be gaslighted as citizens on a more collective level mm-hmm. and how it's this dysfunctional relationship between what we sense, what we see, what we, what we feel, and what's getting told to us. And I think about how damaging that is for us. And it, and it continues to happen. And, and when people question the decisions that are being made, uh, maybe it's a C-level executive, a Fortune 500 company, an elected official, mm-hmm. uh, they, they just keep getting away with it, you know? And, and so ultimately, our, you know, why does that keep happening? Why are we allowing this broken system to continually um, exist? So we have to, I think our challenge is we have to kind of rise from the ashes. We have to, um, you know, within the boundaries of the law. And I, I have to say this every time I talk to people, uh, you know, the, the claims that I make might stir some people up. Um, and I never, ever, ever promote violence. That's not going to get us here. And I would even actually say that the people in government probably want us to get violent. So that way they can start, um, you know, giving themselves more authority to take more of our rights away, which... I'm not yeah. surprised that, you know, after this terrible incident where there was a shooting, the gun control now thing keeps, hand, you know, coming out and coming yeah. out. And if you talk to any any person that's in any of these places where lockdowns continue to take place, and I'm so mm-hmm. fortunate to maintain or to establish these friendships with these people all over the world, but they're like, you're so lucky you have the right to buy guns and ammo. Like that... Yeah. And, and, and I can't I, I can't believe that people are wanting to give that away. That just makes no sense to me. And, and like, I've never wanted people to give that away, but I, I've, for a long time, I thought, why? Why would you want to have guns? And, you know, if, and, and people would talk about, I mean, there's, there's hunting, there's, there's things that people want to protect themselves with individuals. But I've heard people over and over say, well, it's going to, you know, it could be the last ditch effort to protect ourselves from an authoritarian government. And yet it seems to me that there are so many other ways that don't involve guns but it does add another layer of complexity if, um, you know, if an authoritarian government wanted to, to, to take control of the citizens of the United States. So it's yeah. now I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's an important right. Um, yeah, every single country where um, tyranny has taken place, they took the guns. So. Yeah. Okay. So um, share with our, our viewers and listeners how they can connect with you, where they can find more information. Absolutely. So, my Instagram, Awakened Adam. That is really kind of my nucleus. That's really my healing journal. Uh, when I moved to New Hampshire, I started that. I thought I was going to be up in a beautiful part of the world. And I just grew to really enjoy the platform, even though it's a censorship platform. Uh, so that's where the majority of my work is done. Um, as and, I and, steer the battleship. And what's it called? And what's it called? Awakened Adam. It's just... Awakened Adam. Okay. Yep, yeah. Adam. Okay. So that's really where it's at. I've got a link tree that I'm updating, and, I, and I'll be the first person to admit my all of my information that you've seen, even in my vault. Like I'm, I'm continuing to put more and more information out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I 
tactically kind of withhold it because, like I said, there's there's a person out there that I'm about to engage very publicly in a debate. I didn't want him to have the information that I have. Uh-huh. So I've been playing a little coy these last five months. And one of my uh-huh. followers specifically was like, why don't you put out more information? It's like, patience. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It. I'm also on Twitter, same thing, but I'm not really active on there. Uh, uh-huh. But I'm also now, um, I just bought the rights to www.awakenedadam.com. Uh-huh. Um, that's going to be kind of coming to life here pretty soon. And then last but not least, I would also encourage everybody to um, go check out the Academy of Divine Knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. I happen yeah. to know somebody else that's pretty cool <laughs> that's in there. So. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to be teaching there. I've got stuff going up on June 11th. So Olivia, if you could put the link up, that would be great. So people can get there. Yes. And it's, it's great that it's this uncensored platform. You, men- you mentioned Jason, Jason Shirka before, who's wonderful. He's this young right. guy who is just, he's a go-getter, and he has really stepped up to the plate in a big way. I'm grateful for that. Okay, so you, you, you call yourself Awakened Adam in, oh gosh, a, a minute or so. Can you give us a final message about what it means to be awakened? I think it just means that you are open and receptive to understanding the nature of reality and to um, fearlessly pursuing your truth, not the truth that you've been conditioned to believe. And so my favorite question is why? And so when you really are driven to find out what the why is behind a lot, you will find it. It might take some time, but you will find it. And ultimately your why is yours and yours alone. And so Mm -hmm. embrace it know own it and ultimately you know I, I i believe we are all kind of transferring into a place of unity consciousness um, yeah. and i can't wait to see what that looks like but but really it's just trying to understand um the nature of reality at a much deeper level so. mm, yeah oh so important and um i think that people should be aware that as we step into truth there can be some grieving associated with facing the illusions we've bought into facing the illusions we've been presented with but um you know getting through that grief and getting to the other side becoming more awakened and it's a step-by-step process it's not like one fell swoop it's it's very powerful and um important i think that's why we're here absolutely i think we're here to learn balance mind body and soul balance and we're here to just leave this place in a much much better place than we found it i mean ultimately i think we're very conscious co-creators And uh, we're here to create beautiful art. You know, our life is our art. Ah, beautifully said. And on that note, we're going to end this. Thank you, Adam, for um, coming on the show today and for this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you, viewers and listeners. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.